There's something Alan Mulally said to me regularly at Ford. It's an honor to serve, he would say. Particularly after a compliment about some success at Ford under his leadership. And he quickly followed that with, To serve is to live. And the best leaders really capture the essence of servant leadership. They know that they exist because of customers, employees, and many other stakeholders. But if leaders serve primarily themselves, they're nothing more than gainfully employed narcissists. A boss thinks in terms of me, while a leader thinks of we. A boss will take credit or blame others, while a leader will give credit and shoulder the blame. A boss issues commands, while a leader asks and listens. A boss depends on the authority of the job title, while a leader leans on the entire team and builds mutual accountability and trust. A boss instills fear, while a leader inspires with enthusiasm. And so the question is, what are you doing to gain the trust and to inspire the people whom you serve? Have you ever admired a leader and wondered just what it is that makes her who she is? How he came to embrace the things that advanced him? Welcome to Timeless Leadership, where we look at the principles that define success. This is a show for leaders at all stages of their careers who aspire to understand what it truly means to be a leader. And who is a leader? Dolly Parton said, If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Together, we'll explore key principles, not only in the sense of fundamentals, but also in the ethical sense, the habits, character traits, and virtues that form the backbone of leadership. Principles that are just as relevant and essential in the 21st century as they were in the 1st century. This is Timeless Leadership. Well, hi and welcome to Timeless Leadership, where we explore principles and virtues that accompany the most successful and admirable leaders. I'm your host, Scott Monty. I hope you will pick this up on whatever podcast player you prefer. You know, recently I've been trying one out called Good Pods. It's a wonderful app for podcast discovery, of sharing, and of building a community around the topics that move us. I'll have a link to it in the show notes, but you might find it of interest yourself. Also, I should note, on the weeks that we're not offering an episode of Timeless Leadership, I've got another podcast called Storytime, and I'm giving you a break because this show's just a five-minute show, and you'll hear familiar names and events, but they're told from a much different perspective. 
And what it amounts to is an exercise in storytelling. And every good leader needs to be a good storyteller. And obviously, if you uh, are not yet doing so, please subscribe to the Timeless and Timely newsletter where I regularly write about leadership and communication as they intersect with history and literature. And if you'd like to get in touch, I would love, love, love to hear from you. Please email me at timeless at scottmonte.com. And if you've got any recommendations for people to whom I should speak or events where people should hear from me, I'm all ears, so feel free to email me. Again, timeless at scottmonte.com. In this episode, we're talking with two legends in the leadership space, Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley, about simple truths of leadership. Ken Blanchard is one of the world's most influential leadership experts. He's co-author of more than 65 books, including the iconic One Minute Manager, with combined sales of over 23 million copies in 47 languages. In 2005, he was inducted into Amazon's Hall of Fame as one of the top 25 best-selling authors of all time. He's co-founder and chief spiritual officer of the Ken Blanchard Companies, a leading international training and consulting firm. Randy Conley is vice president, trust practice leader for the Ken Blanchard Companies. He's a founding member of the Alliance of Trustworthy Business Experts, and Inc.com named him a top 100 leadership speaker. Randy is a contributing author of three books, including Leading at a Higher Level, with Ken Blanchard. And Randy's award-winning blog, Leading with Trust, has influenced over 4 million viewers since its inception in 2012. Ken and Randy, welcome to Timeless Leadership. Hello, Scott. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Uh, I can't tell you what a thrill it is to have both of you here. I am a student of your work. I am a firm believer in servant leadership and the importance of trust. Uh, It's a lot of what I write about uh, in the Timeless and Timely newsletter and what we talk about here on Timeless Leadership. So um, what's, what's interesting to me, and we were talking about this a little before the show, is the confluence of both of your areas of expertise, of servant leadership and trust. And I want to make sure we're all kind of grounded in the same area. So, Ken, I want to start with you. Can you talk a little bit about exactly what servant leadership is, what it means? Yes, uh, Scott, a lot of times when I talk about servant leadership, people think I'm talking about the inmates running the prison trying to please everybody or some kind of religious movement. But there's actually two parts of servant leadership. The leadership part is about vision, direction, values, and goals, because leadership's about going somewhere. And that's kind of the boundaries that that, uh, Randy talks about in in our book. And then once the vision, direction, values are clear, now you turn the pyramid upside down and you get to the servant part of servant leadership, which your goal is to help people win, help them live according to the vision and the values and accomplish their uh, goals. So it's a two-part leadership and servant uh, part. And uh, it's uh, one of our simple truths is it's the only way we know to get both great results and great relationships because the results are focused on the leadership part 
And then the servant part is on the relationships and they go together. And uh, when Randy and I started talking about it, is that a good servant leader builds trust with his people. Uh, and so trust and, and servant leadership go hand in hand, don't they, Randy? Yeah, and it's interesting as you describe it there, Ken, uh, the, the two halves, the servant part, the leadership part. Do you find that most people have an easier time with one of them rather than the other? Well, I think uh, probably most people have an easier time with the, the leadership part, let's set the vision and all. But it's the turning the pyramid upside down, being there for your people, which is really is a tough thing because that's where our ego gets in the way. And we somehow think that people ought to be looking up the hierarchy because all the brains are in my office. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Randy, I want to turn to you for trust. I mean, you're really the, you come in on the second half of the book. And by the way, I love how the two of you uh, divide the 52 concepts right down the middle. 26 for Ken, 26 for Randy. Uh, talk a little bit about trust and why trust is so essential with leadership. Well, whether it's leadership or, uh, you know, a marriage relationship, a parent relationship, any relationship, trust is the foundation of any successful and healthy uh, relationship. And so it's part and parcel with servant leadership. Trust is an outcome of the behaviors that we use. And so when leaders engage in serving behaviors, they're there to help others be the best that they can be. Trust is a natural outcome that happens from that. Um, but there's an interesting twist with trust in that someone has to make the first move, right? Trust doesn't start until someone is willing to take a risk and make themselves vulnerable with someone. And so it's sort of a chicken or the egg issue, right? It's like, do you need trust to be a servant leader or does being a servant leader create trust? And I like to say, yes, <laughs> you know, you need both. It's sort of both, but it comes down to one person, the leader. We advocate leaders go first. They have to make the move in extending trust to their people because we, we've seen too many leaders think just by virtue of their title or position that, hey, you should trust me. I'm the leader, right? Uh, and that's not the case. Leaders have to extend trust. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, you know, kind of in the same realm as respect, someone who demands respect. Well, you, you earn respect, you don't demand it. Same goes with trust. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite Ernest Hemingway quotes is the best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. Yes. And it's, again, such a simple truth, but it, it really resounds. It is. And, and we include that. It's not one of our simple truths but we talk about it in one of the truths that we mentioned. And it's, it gets to that point of someone has to first extend trust. And until you do that, the other person doesn't have the opportunity to prove themselves trustworthy. And the key there is I, I wrote a book with Colleen Barrett, who took over the presidency of Southwest when Herb Keller stepped down. And one of my favorite quotes from her is people admire your skills but they really love your vulnerability. And the vulnerability is the ability to trust people to also admit, maybe admit you made a mistake. That's one of our simple truths. Of, it's about apologizing and, and admitting you made a mistake. 
Yeah, you know, th- this this actually hits, Ken, on an observation I made as I was going through the book and going back through the book. You know, it's a it's a really easy read for anybody who wants to pick it up. And I and I want to talk a little bit about the simplicity part in just a moment because it's it's one page with the truth and and the facing page with an explanation. So it's very easy to get through. And as I was doing that, I was drawing connections between some of the different sections i said ah you know number 23 feedback you know seeking feedback that connects with being vulnerable right to to actually hear which is number 31 and that in turn connects with admitting your mistakes number 42 all of this stuff is interrelated yeah yeah it sure is it's like a, a a tapestry you know you can look at the individual simple truths on their own and they do all stand alone but yet like the old saying the whole the sum is greater than the individual parts right when you put all those simple truths together they really show that beautiful mosaic of what serving others looks like what servant leadership looks like and how that builds trust with others yeah uh you know i had the great honor and privilege to serve with Alan Mulally at Ford Motor really? Company uh, wow. for six years. I worked very closely with him and saw a lot of this actually being expressed every single day. He would talk about some of the very same precepts that you talked mm-hmm. about uh, and really drove that home for us. But he would also act in a way that backed up those values. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of your, your actions matching your words? Because to me, that's not only a signal of or a symbol of servant leadership, but it's also grounded in trust. Yeah. Well, the key is you have to walk your talk, you know, and uh, what I loved about Alan when he came into Ford, he, this we talked about earlier is, uh, is he didn't come in and say my way or the highway. It's all about me. He came in and listened uh, and uh, was with people because part of being a servant leader is, uh, Drawing out your people and getting their best ideas is we, not me, uh, kind of leadership. Yeah, one of my favorite simple truths, Scott, speaks to that, and it's number 37. And that is, it's a quote, we couldn't nail down the source. A lot of people attribute it to uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes. But anyway, the quote is, your actions speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you're saying. And that's sort of the negative portrayal, right, of not walking the talk, which too many leaders fall into the trap of doing, right? The company values are the the nice, cool poster on the wall, but they don't really live that out. And so people see that disconnect. People are very good, you know, the old BS radar. People's (laughs) BS radar is really good, right? We can tell if leaders are not walking the talk. Uh, so that's just critical to being a servant leader. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I always attribute that quote to Ralph Waldo Emerson. So. Oh, yes, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Sorry. One, one of those three name guys, right? Yeah, um, yes, one, one of those three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that's that's really the thing. I think a lot of people right now, we see the great resignation happening. Uh, a lot of people are just dissatisfied, not with their jobs per se, but the way they're treated in their jobs, the relationships they have or don't have with their managers. And it really comes down to those actions and words. Yeah, it sure does. One of the things that uh, we've seen over the last couple of years is A lot of it's pandemic related, right? But people are feeling battered and bruised. 
right? It's been a long haul the last few years for folks. And I think uh, people hopping to new opportunities can sometimes be the grass is a little greener on the other side. You know, it's just like a fresh start. Um, but really, I think people have got to come to grips with uh, one of our other simple truths. Forgiveness is letting go of all hopes for a better past, you know? We've gone through a lot of yucky stuff over the last couple of years, but if we can resolve it within ourselves to let go of that, forgive ourselves, forgive others for the way we've been treated, perhaps forgive our organizations, you know, then we can move forward in a much more healthy and productive way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that kind of dovetails into, I think, the the simple truth that follows that one, which is, uh, I had never heard this before, uh, but the phrase... Um, uh, choosing not to forgive someone is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, I think it was Buddy Hackett years ago who said, I don't, I don't hold a grudge. If I'm out there holding a grudge, the other guy's dancing. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. We, we hold on to these things and we think somehow that's punishing the other person, right? That we're, because we choose not to forgive them, it somehow is lording power over them or withholding something that they really need. And it's not true. Yeah. You know, forgiveness rests entirely with us. And we are much better off if we can learn to forgive others. Yeah. Um, so it's somewhat a selfish act, right? I mean, it's in your own best interest to to learn to forgive and move on. The key thing, Scott, though, is if you're going to be a servant leader, is to communicate. You know, we have a little strategy that we've used in our company and now we we make it part of our consulting is to have every manager meet at least once every two weeks for 15 to 30 minutes with their each of their direct reports. The manager schedules the meeting, the direct report sets the agenda. And if you met with your people 26 times a year, you would know them and they, because Peter Drucker told me years ago, he said, Blanchard, nothing good happens by accident. Put some structure on it. And, uh, you know, I think even with this Zoom thing, you know, you can Zoom in uh, a lot of those meetings and all. But but the point is you don't want the meeting to go longer than 30 minutes, but you want to make sure you're checking in with your people all the time to say, what's on your mind? Uh, is there anything I can do to help? Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in my own coaching, you know, I don't have a template that I follow. It's really about listening. You know, it's, it's almost like being a corporate therapist. You show up and these one-on-ones, whether it's with a coaching client or with your direct reports, it's not a status report. That's not what a one-on-one is designed for. It's designed to build the relationship. Right. Right. I think listening is probably the most undervalued and underappreciated leadership skill. That's right. You can accomplish so much with your leadership effectiveness by being a good listener. Yeah. And, you know, with all the distractions we all have, it's it's easy not to be present. You know, and, and I'll tell you, when we went into those BPR meetings at the top of Ford World Headquarters, Blackberries and iPhones were not allowed because everyone had to have their attention on the meeting. Because guess what? If you're listening to what someone else is struggling with, well, maybe you can jump in and offer some kind of support. Maybe you can help your colleagues rather than just being so self-focused all the time. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's any accident, Scott, that the 
Lord gave us two ears and only one mouth. If he wanted us to speak more than listen, he would have given us a couple of mouths. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Ken, I use that phrase all the time in my speeches. I say everyone's grandmother told them this. Yeah. And I trace that one back to Aristotle, believe it or not. Oh. Talk, okay. about, talk about timeless leadership, right? Oh, um, it's going to be interesting years from now. We're going to say, did Scott say that or Randy or, Ken? you know, where did that come from? You know? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, well you, Scott, do you know the, the rule of attribution? I don't. Have you ever heard of the rule of attribution? No. The first time you quote someone, you say, Scott Monty has said, you know, and then you, you give the quote. And then the second time you use it, you say, it's been said. And then the third time you say, I've always said, you know, so. <laughs> that's right. That's I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, you know, as, as we're thinking about listening, I think observing is part of that. And that part of uh, a leader's job is to offer feedback. And typically when we hear about feedback, people have a negative connotation to feedback. And really, when you're giving someone feedback, it's an honest assessment about what you've observed and what the results are by way of that behavior that they're exhibiting. Um, and... One of the things I love, it's, it's number five in The Simple Truths. It's uh, the key to developing people is catching them doing something right. Ken, can you talk a little bit about the importance of calling that kind of behavior out rather than only negative behavior? Well, it's interesting, uh, Scott. People ask me if somebody took everything away I've been teaching for over 40 years, but one thing, what would I hold on to? And that's the one I'd hold on to. Uh, the key to developing people is to catch them doing something right because I think people love to have positive response to what they're doing. Most people, when they see their manager coming, they think of a seagull, you know. Seagull managers fly in, make a lot of noise, dump on everybody and fly out. And so uh, if you can catch people doing things right and accent the positive, then they really see that you're on their team, that you trust them and they'll trust you. And it becomes a really win-win-win win situation. I mean, it's the the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. There's times, Scott, when I'm speaking with groups and we're talking about this topic and I'll say, raise your hand if you are sick and tired of all the praise you get from your boss. I've had one person raise their hand in all the years I've done that. And they were kind of doing it on a joking basis. Wow. The, the reality is, is we don't get enough good news about what we're doing, right? You usually only hear from the boss when something's off track and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because one of the uh, people that we regularly interacted with at Ford was an executive coach by the name of Harry Cohen. And <laughs> Harry was a guest uh, on, on an early episode of the show here. He wrote a book called Be the Sun, Not the Salt. And one of his precepts in this book was when you see someone doing something good, yes, do more of that, please, right? Really help bring it out in them and call out that great behavior and encourage people to repeat it because that's what they need. That's a great concept. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, uh, Harry working with uh, with Alan and, and observing Alan, you know, Alan was the ultimate heliotropic leader, you know, heliotropism, meaning, you know, following the energy of the sun. We get so much more energy from positive people in our lives than we do from negative people. Yes. Yes. 
That's for sure. And that energy is contagious. It really is. Right. Like one of the key things for leaders is to uh, prevent that negative energy from taking root and expanding and really emphasize the positive energy because that's contagious. Yeah. So I want to address with both of you um, the the, the simple part in these uh, simple truths of leadership. Uh, You've got 52 concepts here, things that could be in one way considered trite, uh, even though they're, they're truisms. But at the same time, I know how much work goes into finessing something so it's concise and brief. Rather, you know, it's that classic, if I had the time, I'd have written you a shorter letter, but I wrote you a long one. Um, can you talk a little bit about the process of evolving this down to 52 simple truths? Well, that was a lot of fun uh, thinking about that, thinking that it's both servant leadership and trust and, and going back through what we have been teaching for years and trying to pull out the, the kind of gems, you know, and and uh, and get them out. And so we, you know, Randy would do some and then I would do some. We'd share them with each other. You know, you got any suggestions? And and it was a good uh, good teamwork, you know. I, uh, I've written, you know, 65 books, but I've only written two by myself, one on golf because so, so many people work with my golf game I, and my spiritual journey because I love to work with people. And so working with Randy has been great where there's a give and take. We're both learning from each, each other rather than, you know, bringing somebody on as a co-author and, and having them endorse everything you think <laughs> rather than one plus one is greater than two. Yeah, Scott, I think I was fortuitous in the sense that uh, I've been writing my blog, Leading with Trust, for over 12 years. And so I, you know, gotten into the routine of writing shorter size blog size articles, right, which came in really handy for this. Um, But even as we were going through the writing process, our publisher challenged us. Uh, They came to us and said, see if you can get your descriptions of the simple truths down to just 300 words. And uh, anyone who's spent any time writing, and I know you're familiar with this, it's hard, right? It's easier, much easier to write long stuff and just go on and on. It's hard to really try to whittle things down to just their core essence. Um, So as it relates to the book, I would encourage readers and leaders Simple does not always equal easy, right? Simple is straightforward, to the point, easily understood, but it can be really hard in practice. And so that's why we tried to outline just some key action steps. Follow these things to get started, and you'll start building that positive momentum and applying this simple truth, and and that'll help you just further on down the road. So with every simple truth, we have a section on the opposite page that says uh, making common sense, common practice, uh, because uh, talk is cheap, as my father used to say, but it takes money to buy whiskey. I mean, you got to got to do something. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's great. Well, you know, and it's interesting, too, that your initial title for the book was duh why isn't common sense leadership common practice uh why didn't you go with that title 
Well, the publisher felt that duh doesn't translate in a lot of other countries, you know, so because this book has got great potential around the world. And so yeah. that's why we, we went with simple truths. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, these are simple truths. It is common sense. And of course, the whole trope is actually true. Not many people have common sense. It's not that common. Right. It, I think the difficulty is taking this, understanding it and then putting it into practice. And for any leader, that really takes work. I mean, you can look, you can stare at the, at the page. You can stare at any one of these and go, yeah, I get it. But how in, in your experience, how does a leader take some of these precepts and begin to start putting them to work on a regular basis? Well, I think what you don't do is do it to your people. But I think the ones where really are excited, they're sharing the book with their people. And some people are taking one simple truth a week or maybe one section a week and sort of say, okay, uh, catching people doing things right. What does that mean to our relationship? How can we do that with each other? And they're getting great discussions around that, around all of the simple truths. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of sort of uh, leaders holding themselves publicly accountable, you know, sort of making a public commitment and asking others to hold them accountable to their good intentions. And so uh, we had one president of an organization share with us that he's emailing out in a weekly email, a simple truth each week, sort of starting an email dialogue with his organization about that principle. I think, wow, that's awesome, right? Get it out there, get discussion going. Um, other leaders, we have a discussion guide in the back, 24 questions, where you could take, you know, every week or every other week in your regular staff meetings, ask people to read a couple of the simple truths, talk about how you're using them or not using them in your team. And, and mm-hmm. um, so I think that mutual public accountability can go a long way to helping people follow through on their good intentions. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I mean, in so many ways, this is really a handbook of Mm -hmm. building servant leadership and Mm -hmm. trust. Now, 52, uh, great number, you know, as we we all know from the old uh, Wink Martindale song, it's uh, 52 cards in a deck, 52 weeks in a year. So you can do this every week. Let me ask you this, because I would imagine part of this is a publisher's decision, but are there more than 52 simple truths to leadership? There's 53, but we had to eliminate it. I'm I'm sure there probably are, but these were the key ones that kind of summarize what our company's been teaching for 40 years and and, uh, whether we want to do a follow-up one. That would really stretch us to come up with another 50. Yeah, Yeah. next year, Scott will come out with volume two, the newly discovered additional 52 (laughs) simple truths, you know, but... uh, Actually, it was, uh, <clears throat> of course, there's more simple truths, right? And um, we we actually started with less. We arrived at that number as we were working through the process with the publisher. At, at one point, I said, would there be any value to, like, maybe making this a 52, you know, 52 weeks in a year, the old 52? Yeah, duh. And so that's, of course, where we shamelessly settled on 52. So it's one per week that you could focus on. It's fantastic. Your publishers must love you guys. No question. Um, So I want to end on 
uh, simple truth number 20, which it really fascinated me. Um, you know, and, and this, uh, it, it doesn't matter what religion you subscribe to. The concept here, and it comes from uh, Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, um, and it's the classic that everyone knows. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Ken, I, I, I know this kind of speaks to kind of your core truth, your uh, mission as a leader. Can you talk a little bit about how this excerpt from the book of Corinthians uh, uh, is associated with leadership? Well, it's interesting. Uh, Jimmy Blanchard, he's not a relative, but I would like to have adopted him. He was the president for almost 30 years of Synovus, who won the best company to work for so often uh, from Fortune that they asked him to stop applying and they set up a, you know, an honor roll. But what he did is he took these principles from this Corinthians quote and put it into a questionnaire and at least twice a year he would give it out to his people and say, check on a one to five, how am I doing on this particular principle? And, uh, and we recommend that at the, at the bottom of that. Uh, and it's a really powerful thing because, you know, we talked about feedback earlier. Rick Tate, who worked with us for years, said that feedback is the breakfast of champions, you know. And uh, I think that uh, having a, a process of taking these concepts of patience, kind, you know, and all of these kind of things and saying, how am I doing? And what areas do I need to work on? And then coming back to your people and say, here's the feedback I got, you know, let's talk about it. What powerful stuff uh, that, uh, that Jimmy and his people did. And they, as they say, they were chosen so often the best company to work for. I think uh, love is that dirty four-letter word that a lot of people are afraid to use in the workplace, right? And... And that's a shame because really leadership is all about relationships. It's about people, right? If, if you don't enjoy people, if you don't like people, you should probably find a different line of work than being a leader, <laughs> right? Because it's all about getting work accomplished through others. And love and trust are at the heart of any good relationship, mm -hmm. right? And, and sometimes I think the English language fails us a little bit on the love word because we often associated with the romantic kind of love, but you know, there's many types of love, right? There's the brotherly love, the familial love, and um, and that's what we're talking about. Love, true care and concern for your people, that's really what defines a servant leader. Yeah, and and people can tell when there's an absence of it, mm -hmm. you know, it, mm -hmm. right, right back to that quote about words not uh, matching your, your uh, actions. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the book is Simple Truths of Leadership, 52 Ways to Be a Servant Leader and Build Trust by Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being our guest here on Timeless Leadership today. Thank you, Scott. It's good, good to be with you, Scott. This was fun. Yeah, real pleasure. 
Most of what you need to know about leadership isn't rocket science. It's really about staying attuned to your people and serving their needs. Once you invert that pyramid, you'll find treasures of inestimable value. Thank you for joining us and for being an advocate for timeless and principled leadership whenever and wherever you find it. I'm Scott Monty. Until next time, may you dream more, learn more, do more, and become more. For you are a leader.